welcome to the 24th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, are you ready to win gold at Worlds this week? Win gold? Yeah. It's fitting because 24 carats is the highest quality of gold, and this is episode 24 of the podcast, so it's all lining up for you to go get gold this week, buddy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd love to win some some gold this this weekend, but we'll see. There's going to be a lot of good players, and uh, I don't know if I feel super confident, but I guess I never feel very confident going into a tournament. So we'll see how it goes. I feel confident for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll have all of your swagger for you. I think you're going to crush it. Nobody else stands a chance. You're the best player in the world. You know, yada, yada, yada. <sighs> Thank you, I guess. <laughs> I'm excited to watching down here in my sweet man cave while holding my baby and studying for the LSAT. That's going to be my plan. I'm really glad I'm not going uh, to Worlds. I take the LSAT next Friday, so in like 10 days. So I got to do a lot of studying this weekend. <laughs> That's, that'd be tough, uh, playing in Worlds and studying for the LSAT at the same time. Yeah. So it's been nice just focusing just on that for the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling Are you feeling ready? Uh Maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, so I'm, I don't know how much I really want to go into detail, but there's like one section that like I wanted to really improve at and I haven't improved much at it, but I've somehow improved very much on the sections that I'm very good at and okay. I'm doing even better on those. So my plan is basically bomb one section almost and then just ace the other two sections and then get a good score. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cool. Well, at least you got a plan, you know? Yeah, I got a strategy. I'm going to metagame the LSATs, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So what decks will you be playing in Worlds? It's Triple Icelander, right? That's the plan. We'll see what happens in draft. But yeah, I'm leaning towards Icelander in all three formats. I am locked on Blitz and Class Constructed. Can't exactly be locked on draft, though I am leaning Icelander. And I think Icelander is just the best hero in the draft format. I think she has a good five matchup. And I think her drawing matchup is fine, not great, but it is hard to have a good draw my deck in Uprising Draft because there's just like each pod supports like maybe two draw my decks. And if there's three draw mys, then all three of your decks are probably going to be pretty mediocre just because of like you need so many reds with draw my to have a functional deck. And yeah, so I, I feel pretty good about draft. I'm happy to draft one of the other two heroes if I'm pretty pushed out of Icelander, but. Definitely leaning towards Icelander. When was the last time you drafted? Um, it was probably about probably a couple weeks ago. We did one online draft with the Wolfpack not that not that long ago, sometime after Nationals. But I don't I haven't drafted a lot recently. I feel like at least with this game, if the drafting is so much on wheels almost like once you have it down, you just have it down. There's not really a lot to like really further explore. There's no secret archetypes that, you know, somebody can uh, uncover or something like that or some super tricky trick pick order or something like that. It's just like, I feel like the cards are almost just kind of like are what they are in the packs and like, it's just not the most interesting like or diverse thing to be doing in the game anyways. Yeah. And even like comparing it to like magic draft or something like where you can have archetypes with like different pick orders, depending on like, like what you're leaning in that archetype, like you could be like a red green deck that's like heavy red and like lighter on green and you want 
so, so suddenly you take a red two drop over a green two drop because you just like are more red heavy and green's like more of a splash or you could be the other way around and flush of blood draft if you're drafting icelander you're like well i want x good blues the more good blues the better and then do i need to take bad blues because my blue count's too low or can i just take like the good red cards and for the most part there's like a pick order for icelander and a pick order for phi and a pick order for dromai and there aren't really different archetypes for them it's just like slight changes depending on what your deck needs but if you're playing icelander like that's that's just your archetype you're just icelander yeah but who knows maybe one day they'll make a limited format that that's not the case but um at least we know you're confident there yeah and i've done a lot of uprising drafts like they haven't been super recent but i feel fine and we're planning to do a few more drafts thursday to shake off the rust so it's still the largest portion of the of worlds right it's it's six rounds compared to five of the other other two formats right yeah it is oh eight if you're counting the top top eight rounds of class constructed but oh yeah so i guess you'll be playing the most class constructed over the weekend so. I'm, I'm hoping well that could also happen if i just don't make day two right oh that's impossible <laughs> have you ever not day two in a tournament you've enrolled in uh once in flesh and blood when it was the vegas blitz team calling oh that doesn't count you were handicapped <laughs> you, wow. you were so handicapped on that tournament wow but yeah, that's uh, I didn't day two that. Gotcha. Okay. And then the first pro tour ended day one, four, and three, which qualified for day two. But I think I was like mathematically already eliminated from top eight at that point. So it doesn't really feel like mm-hmm. day twoing when you're playing a tournament where you're dead to top eight. But I had a pretty good day two in the X three bracket. So it's because there wasn't any draft. You know, if there were a draft in the Starbo meta, it would have been all different. Would it have been different? I don't know. How do you feel about drafting Tales of Aria? Uh, not very good, but I would have practiced a lot more <laughs> if it was part of the Pro Tour. That's fair. I practiced for Cincinnati, and then that was the last time I needed to draft Aria at a competitive level. So so talk to me about Blitz. So Blitz is in a pretty interesting spot, I think. There's like a reasonable amount of viable heroes. I think Oldheim has a solid case for being the best deck. He just kind of has the best equipment by a lot now that like storm striders and mask of the pouncing links are banned um and skeletta i guess used to be legal and now is banned so stalagmite's probably the most busted piece of equipment legal in blitz and then you get earth lord bounty and crater fist and just have a million block on your chest and gloves and then you can play i think his boots are his, like his only weak spot similar to constructed but you can play snapdragon stealers with e-strike which is just like a classic combination of get your draw card off the East strike and then give it go again with Snapdragon scalers and you can like swing your hammer or whatever afterwards. So I think, I think old time's very good. And that's why you're playing Icelander. The reason I'm playing Icelander <laughs> is <laughs> mostly because I have, honestly, it's a little bit of suck cost where I spent a lot of time working on Icelander and I played, I played against, against old time a lot. And I think the matchup's pretty reasonable i don't think it's like hugely as center favorite but it feels like very solid and i i just feel more confident playing ice center right now just because i've been playing so much of her and you'd think that like with spending two to four hours every day for the last month playing flesh and blood it would be enough time to figure out the best deck in every format and get all the reps you need with it but between spending time on some other heroes that i didn't end up thinking were good enough like i spent a reasonable amount of time working on kasai i spent a reasonable amount of time playing other decks in class constructed before locking in Icelander. And I just think Icelander is a good choice, probably one of the best decks. And 
I feel good about basically all of my matchups. So I think that's enough to lock in Isolator, if that makes sense. Yeah. I guess just going back to the equipment, though. So you don't think the Runeblade equipment is uh, as good as the Guardian equipment, especially looking at Chain with Carrion Husk? Like, that's just a ridiculous amount of block in the format when you're starting at 20 life, or 20 life yeah. Yeah, Carrion Husk is very good. I don't think it's in the same tier as Slagmite even, but the biggest issue with Kieran Husk and Blitz is a lot of the time in Class Constructed, you have like that kind of range from like 30 to like 15 where you can use it on like the most important on hit that comes in that turn cycle, in those like two or three turn cycles. And then like Kieran Husk raw value, you don't actually get that much raw life out of it because you block with it and then it's going to deal, it, it blocks for six and it's going to deal like two or three damage back to you over the course of the game. So you're getting three or four life out of it which is good, but when you don't have, you don't really have the choice of what you're going to use it on. You kind of just have to use it on the first big thing that comes your way because once you go to 13 or lower, it just like is gone. So in Blitz, you're frequently having to husk like something. It's almost always on the first or second turn that they attack you and you just kind of have to throw husk because you need to have cards to play and you need to be above 13 life. Okay. And then Grasp of the Arknight is super good. It's probably it might be the second best <laughs> equipment legal in blitz because it blocks for three and then it has the ability both it gives you like to mulligan yeah it lets you filter extra cards which is especially good in chain where you don't know what you're going to banish so you sometimes hold extra resources in case you banish something good and then it has, it has three block of value and the rune chance are also really annoying to block at the end of the game since like if you're pitching a card to ab and it's the only arcane damage chain presents then like it's really bad Though usually chain swings for Zeta Thorn on most turns, so it's usually not the only arcane damage he'd present. But anyway, I, I think Grass is very strong also. Okay. That's just what have uh, been my guess for most powerful piece of equipment, just because of just how much life it represents. But it makes sense why that's not the case, in your opinion. Yeah. And I also thought it, it, it I think it plays worse than you'd expect it to when you're actually playing with Husk. So. Okay. I've still played zero games with Blitz so far, so. <laughs> I, uh, I will defer 100% of my opinions to you. Whatever you think about the format are my opinions. So. <laughs> okay. So you're enjoying your blitzless life? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, do, what do you think about the competitive viability of the format? Uh, I think it's okay. I think that the games are still reasonably skill-expressive. I think it's significantly worse than Class Constructed. But again, I, I, think, it's, I think it's fine. I think... Maybe best of one blitz where you just like play one hero and you don't get a sideboard. It, it is a lot that, in my opinion, doesn't it doesn't feel the most fulfilling to play. It's kind of like you show up with your hero and your matchups are going to be how they are because you can't sideboard or really change anything. But it's okay. I am excited to play in Worlds. And I think, well, blitz will probably be my least favorite of the three formats. I think I will still enjoy it. Let's say this time next year there's six heroes in living legend status do you think that would be enough to supplant blitz in worlds with the living legend format yeah i i'd love to see that i think like it's gonna be a little bit difficult because they need living legends format to not be broken like right now there's seeds chain there's full everything starvo and then there's prism who's doesn't have anything that got banned but was still like really powerful and like i think soon we'll see briar over there and maybe who who knows what the next one is that's going to be going that way and like yeah i think once Briar goes like she'll just be basically retired because i just don't think she has what it takes to compete against the rest of the decks like she's very good but when you're just looking at like if you're going to play a room blade in living legend format 
why would you not just play chain? You know? Yeah. I think Briar, Briar might be a better plunder run deck than chain. I'm not sure if that's even true. That's probably not true. And then ball lightning being legal in loving legend format. I don't think it will do that much to make Briar better. I think like the card, the red ball lightning will probably show up in Briar if Briar is played in loving legend, but I don't think like, it's oh yeah she's clearly the mess that you get to that you get uh sting sting ball 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 back that's just unbeatable it's no 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 but <laughs> i mean ball lightning does give her more good belittled targets that she's happy to play so maybe it's enough but i don't know i i think you are probably right that chain will just be like the more dominant rune blade in living legend format and well i think even just like the format of like i think it's I would be interested to just play the format as it is with the three heroes, because I think that might actually already be a pretty interesting balanced format, but maybe not. Yeah, it's it's hard because like I think Prism is a slight favorite into Starvo, even with like Awakening and whatever cards, and even when he can tech a bunch of sideboard slots for Prism because like it's a third of the metagame. I think Prism still will be a favorite into Starvo, and then Chain might struggle a little bit into awakening starvo but i never thought the matchup was like i don't think the matchup was ever atrocious or like or like terribly in starvo's favor i think starvo like having awakening is good but like chain was usually behind in the early to mid game against the more aggressive builds of starvo so like basically behind until he husks and then he has his big pivot turn and then chain v prism's really interesting to play from both sides i think chain would be i would i would think chain wouldn't have that rough of a time but like Prism one. I just think it would be an incredibly skill intensive matchup where like both players have to be really heads up on like what cards are being played and what things are, where things are at in chain stack and given turn cycles. Yeah, and and Prism did win the first calling yeah, in Vegas. Shout where, out to Tyler Hartspool. Or Chain was crushing it, and she can play cards like Snag and stuff. When Chain is a third of the metagame, you can have very specific sideboard cards targeted and not feel like you're like hurting your deck. And Prism also got like a lot of powerful new cards since then and miraging metamorph and the blue auras and stuff so like i think it would be a pretty interesting format to explore and see i don't know if it'd be the best for a tournament because of just like deck diversity being limited to three heroes but right yeah yeah i think i think the format would probably be pretty fun to like engage with okay and then i guess coming back full circle to classic constructed then are you you're on icelander still are you still on uh, wounded bull icelander <laughs> yeah i'm still on wounded bull i think so I really like the deck. I think it is one of the best decks. I think you have a good old time matchup. I think you have a good matchup into everything except Phi and Dromai, which are unfortunately two of the more popular decks. I think the Phi matchup's like pretty close, but probably slightly Phi favored if they have a very solid game plan into it. And I think Dromai can be built to really beat up Icelander, but like if you're doing that, it's hard to it's hard to really beat up Icelander with like Thamai and Sand Covers and Uvia and all these cards that aren't very good in a lot of other spots. And as Dromai, it's hard to do that and still have a good matchup into both Oldheim and Fi. So I think Icelander is in a pretty good spot. And I really, really enjoy playing the deck too, which like I think is something that is easy to overlook, but I feel like you just play, at least I personally feel like I play better when I enjoy the deck I'm playing. And that's part of why I've brought so many like kind of more off off meta builds of the decks that i play is like i really enjoy innovating on them and it makes me feel like really attached to the deck so yeah okay that definitely makes a lot of sense unfortunately you know that could go wrong where you look at mr bun who's just sleeving up the room blades again and you know it's i can't say it's 100 percent wrong but i think it's clearly <laughs> a 1.5 tier choice but it's only five rounds he'll probably cross draft and, and blitz and still make top eight anyways 
Yeah, I hope so. And I don't, for what it's worth, I think Briar is, well, I guess Mr. Ride's been outperforming Briar recently, but I think Briar is just stronger. I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. But I guess, has it been weird testing for worlds knowing that it's basically what's called like a lame duck format where it's like dynasties literally coming out next week or like in like 10 days or something like that. Uh, honestly, I didn't really think about it. Basically like today when this is Tuesday that we're recording a whole bunch of spoilers dropped and I'm like starting to get excited about the new stuff. And I'm like, wait worlds first. And then you can start brewing with the new stuff. I was, <laughs> I was honestly kind of ready to take a break after worlds, but now I'm like pretty interesting in building with some of these new cards and jumping in and playing games with the, the new stuff. But We'll see. You have plenty of time though. Like ProQuest season is until the end of July or January. End of July, goodness. June, July, January. You know, one of one of the J's. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I think like I definitely would have preferred Dynasty to be legal for Worlds. I think most people would. I would have gone to Worlds had Dynasty been legal. That would have been sick. (laughs) But like, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that it was like supply chain issues and all that stuff slowing stuff down. And Dynasty was supposed to be released like a month before Worlds, but it had to get pushed back because they couldn't get it where it needed to be in time, basically. Couldn't couldn't get cards in the hands of people as early as they needed to in order for it to be legal for Worlds. Yeah, yeah. That's my understanding. And I think that's pretty understandable, but it would be sweet if it was legal. They should have just made it legal anyways. Like They should have like revealed the set today or, or last Friday <laughs> and then just said anybody competing in worlds will give you copies of the cards you want uh only so far as like you can have them in your deck or whatever and like that's an extra loop you register your deck and they have the cards for you or something yeah and that's something that you pretty easily could have done it would have been a nice reward for going to worlds and it's not like you can be like i want a whole set of every card in the dynasty set or whatever because you can only have so many cards in your deck so I don't know. It would be it would be really cool. I think that it would be really like if you had like a week to build decks and it's two formats, both Blitz and Class Constructed, that does seem like it might be a lot. But I think that it would be really fun to do something like that. But that that's like what's interesting about it though, is like people can like bring train wreck class constructed decks and like you wouldn't know until you're playing in worlds and you're like, Oh, I should have like played my deck that's ten cards different, but I I, I just gotta figure it out and deal with it in the middle like that's what it's all about that's sweet <laughs> yeah i think i'd prefer like slightly longer than that for figuring it out and give people at least some time to try to like have good solid presentable decks but like i don't know i i'm kind of in a spot where i have more free time than probably most people going to worlds so i would feel like i would kind of i don't want to say thrive but i feel like i would enjoy that and be okay in that kind of format where i could just build things and get games in with it and tune it real quick. And then like the people that didn't have time could still register like old builds of Fi, Icelander, Oldheim, other decks that are solid, but that's not what happened. That means they couldn't play the best hero in the game right now. That's clearly as broken as Starvo people are saying, which is Aranki, right? Arachne. Arachne. Oh yeah. Arachne. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly as broken as Starvo, you say. Some people are saying that. It's just like LSS can't stop putting broken heroes in the supplemental set and it's going to get living legend in two months. Uh, that's an interesting take. What do you think? Do you think that's the case? Uh, I think the hero is clearly pretty pushed. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as Starvo, but I think it'll be a tier one deck. I think it might turn into one of the better control decks in the format. That's for sure. 
Yeah, I'm definitely excited to play with it. And I think it's pretty intricate and will be... I don't know where I rate it on power level. I think... So my biggest issue with it is when I'm looking at its weapons, the spiders, spiders bite dagger things. I'm looking at... The, they don't seem overly impressive. And if you look at basically every dominating hero in the game outside of maybe old chain before he got rosetta thorn every other heroes you read their weapon you're like dang this thing's broken like winner's well a single blue for four damage and a frostbite rosetta thorn a single resource for two and two four total damage two physical two arcane even luminar it's just all your things that attack for one go again for free and it gives your big heralds also go again which they don't naturally have i think even like Waning Moon, it's just two resources for three damage. And Searing Ember Blade, two resources for three damage. They're both like reasonably above rate with uh, not taking your action point. I think I was really low on the daggers as well before I try to sit down and really think about the play patterns that Arachne can present, where a lot of what he's trying to attack with are like these zero for four like Punisher attacks or even just like like only the one Majestic cost two so far. The vast majority of his attacks are like these zero for fours or one for fives Mm -hmm. and at that point just pitching a single blue to swing one of the weapons and then making it harder for your opponent to block those seems pretty interesting to me and it's also one of those instances where your opponent can't just like throw a piece of equipment in front of the dagger because it has the piercing effect it cards like crown of seeds in old times hero ability still get around it but against everybody else they have to figure out some other way to prevent this one damage that recurs turn after turn after turn after turn potentially, which is not necessarily as bad as Kadachi, but given that Arachne is like being disruptive in other ways, I don't know. It just seems pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays. I think the Black Tech Whispers, the boots are very, very powerful. The fact that... Oh yeah, giving go again. They have Battle Worn, and then you Snapdragon Scalers your attacks basically, and then... You just sacrifice two silvers to get it back. You get one more block value and then you can attack react to give it go again, give another thing go again, again. I think that if, if this hero is good, it's because of how pushed these shoes are, in my opinion. You don't think so. Here's what I've been waiting, you know, since I saw this hero to, to talk to you about, which is, do you remember a little card from Magic the Gathering called Jace the Mind Sculptor? And (laughs) I, I do remember this guy. Uh, so. Arachne doesn't get to draw three cards and put two cards back. She doesn't get to do the best uh, ability on Jason Mind Sculptor, but he gets to do the most frustrating to play against ability of Jason the Mind Sculptor, which was an ability called like Fate Seal. I think we called it in Magic, mm-hmm. where you look at your opponent's top card of their deck and get to decide if it stays there and go on bottom. And that was a really weird and cumbersome i guess uh mechanic in the game and i don't think any other cards after Jace the mind sculptor had that effect ever again just because it's just like between the awkward interactions of like well do you reach over and like look at your opponent's top card of their deck and or do you say okay just flip it up on your side it's just like there's some like weird dexterity errors and like looking at extra card things that can happen mm-hmm. and the more i thought about it i'm like so at least a fate seal in Flesh and Blood isn't nearly as bad as it was in Magic Gathering because in Magic, when you're only drawing one card a turn, if you have a dead draw on top, it's just like, oh, well, this sucks. Yeah, mechanically, it's definitely way weaker than it would be. A recursive ways of looking at fate sealing your opponent's top card. 
Um, and Flesh and Blood are significantly weaker because you draw four cards every turn instead of one. So like you can't look at the top four cards and put some on the bottom and some back on top. You're just like looking at one, you're like, okay, you're seeing potentially one fourth of their hand and moving it. And a lot of the time that you do this, you're just going to banish the top card even after resolving it. So it helps you meet your contracts, but it's a lot of the time, even if you leave it on top, it's probably not a card they're going to draw. Yeah. It's just, it's just interesting. I don't know. That, that whole mechanic just from like the actual like operations of the game and then like the mind games that can happen where like putting something on top or putting something on the bottom and then not banishing or something like that. Like there's lots of like different weird interactions that you can start setting up with these kinds of effects. And I'm interested to see like how deep you can go and like both these like banishing, fulfilling contracts, what important cards you can put on your opponent's bottom of the deck. And then you can get into really interesting things where after first cycle, you have to now even more keep track of your opponent's pitch stack because you will know when they're hitting cards before they know they're hitting cards. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) You're like, well, I know you're going to draw command and conquer in two turns based on when I put it on the bottom of your deck for a cycle. And they're like, I don't know. I'd like, I guess they could reasonably figure it out. Like if they're like, Oh, I know I've only seen two command and conquers. And yeah, I guess that's another interesting point is when you're playing Arachne, your opponent's going to hit second cycle so early between you, uh, fate sealing cards to the bottom of their deck and also banishing cards from the top of their deck. They're just going to be on their second cycle, like reasonably faster than what we're used to in the game. Oh yeah. Especially if like you're into old time. So like old time probably is just going to destroy Arachne between his ability to prevent damage and ways that don't necessarily need to involve equipment. And then he's just going to like fly through his deck between <laughs> crown of seeds and uh, Arachne's ability. That's really interesting. Yeah, it, I think I wouldn't count Arachne out against Oldheim because, again, like the recurring equipment, the recurring equipment, it's similar to like how Kasai works in Blitz where you can block with your shoes in a single three block to like nullify the Winter's Whale attacks. And if Oldheim's not attacking back, he's the one that's going to get fatigued because like, again, in a super long game, eventually like the 10 to 15 cards that Arachne's banishing over the course of a game are going to make the difference in a fatigue war. So I I think I think it'll be very interesting where Oldheim probably just like actually has to like just take some damage and play some big on his back because the hammer's probably not going to get there on its own. Yeah, but what's interesting about that though is like also a, a lot of what otherwise dictates, you know, fatigue in, in matchups is the fact that uh you have to the, the weapon. So in Oldheim be Oldheim, you know, obviously the reason why it goes to fatigue so often is just because like you're sledging each other and you have to keep using blocking him with real cards. Yeah. Using cards out of your hand to block, which then just go to discard. And then, so you're just effectively discarding, you know, way more cards than you would otherwise. And then with Arachne, the weapons that if we're saying they're not really super impactful, then that doesn't really create that incentive to waste cards blocking. So like if you're getting, you know, 10 cards you're saying here banished but you're not spending those 10 cards blocking like isn't that kind of just like net the same almost yeah that's fair that's a good point it's yeah because the spider's bites are kind of not great whatever and like he's just gonna be able to you know pitch in order to mitigate that damage between crown of seeds and in his hero ability yeah i i could see that too so i don't know i i don't think i would guess arachne is like a solid tier will be like a solid tier two hero that's like like 
probably behind the top few heroes, but I think we'll have some good matchups. I don't know how he ever beats Icelander right now. Right, yeah, and that was <laughs> so, the other matchup I was going to talk about was like, I don't really know what to do against Icelander on that hero. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it doesn't seem like he has the tools currently, but we're probably... Like, there will probably be more Assassin cards. I don't think everything's spoiled yet. No, not yet. So, we'll have to see, but right now it doesn't look like... Like, he definitely doesn't have the tools to fight Icelander right now, so it's like hard for it to be the best Starvo when like... Like, I know Starvo had a rough matchup into Prism, but, like, I think Arachne's matchup into Icelander, like, with the cards currently existing, is going to be quite tough. Yeah, I would agree. And also, <laughs> to mention, Spider's Bite only gives attack actions minus one while defending once the Spider's Bite hits, so it doesn't even have, like, the this ability text almost is useless against Icelander or anyone with mostly... Why? Your Wounded Bulls, they can't block. They don't, Your Wounded Bulls only block for one now, Michael. Okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> so i don't know i'm very excited to play with the hero and i think he looks very fun and there are like a lot of weird things that are going to be happening when we actually get to play with the hero but i i'm not particularly worried about us having another star on our hands yeah i would agree with that and lo and behold here we are you know two months later we're just like oh my god we can't believe how broken this hero is how did we miss it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah could be what do you think about this uh you lose the game or they lose the game card regicide? Yeah, but it only happens in like against royal heroes, right? And there, there's no way to like promote somebody into being royalty. Okay. So like I don't understand the point of the card because if somebody is just like, well, I don't I want to play around this card, you just put on Crown of Providence instead of the <sighs> hat that makes you royal, right? Like it's a pretty easy sideboard swap to just play around that card. Yeah, because we don't have any heroes that are actually royal themselves. It's just the crown that makes people royal. The emperor, but that only matters in Blitz. Okay. Hmm. And he has a whole other host of, you know, things to contend with otherwise <laughs> besides from Regicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just having a functional deck seems like step one before you start worrying about cards like Regis. Yeah, on top of the the fears about having a functional deck, you also only have 15 health. So like any if anything hits you, you're probably dying, not just Regicide. Yeah, yeah. Fair <laughs> point. Oakenold is basically Regicide at that point. Yeah, the game's, the game's over. You got Oakenold. Feels like it most of the time. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty excited for Dynasty. I think so far there have been there's been a few cards it's like what is this card for like the what's it called the lantern things that like reveal the top card of your deck maybe make a rune chant block two. Oh yeah you gotta you gotta put bad cards in the set you can't i love the fact that all the rune blade cards i've seen so far i'm like yeah these all suck i'm like thank you <laughs> thank you lss we're finally making rune blade cards that suck yeah but all the rune blades are going to be living legend by like when the set's coming out i guess mr is still legal but rosetta thorn's gonna be gone soon so yeah it's like, this guy might actually need help now. He, he's got that book, man. You see that book? <laughs> I did see the book. <laughs> he doesn't need Rosetta Thorne anymore. He's got the book. Like, they gave him a replacement, huh? Yeah, real good. I can't believe the book doesn't even have Go Again. Nope. <laughs> Three resources. <laughs> you can't read and go again, Michael. You sit there and read a book, it takes up your whole day. You can't read and do other things. Mm-hmm. You know? No. <laughs> And then I kind of want to talk about the Bolton legendary because yeah. I do like I do like Bolton quite a bit. I played Bolton in Orlando. Uh, I've gotten lower on him over time, but I, I still still like the little warrior that can. I think the charge mechanic's neat. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, you want to read this card? So for anyone who doesn't know, Spirit of Irenia. Yeah, Irina, something like that. It's a legendary, so you only get one of it in your deck. It's a light warrior action item. It costs zero, and it's a yellow pitch. And since it's an item, obviously it doesn't block. And it says when it would be put into your soul, um, instead you just get to put it onto the arena, and you may play Lumin Ascension as though it was an instant. And my first thoughts was reading this card, I was like, okay, so we're playing Sabres, Bolton, Combo, which was my preferred way to play the deck. Cool, you don't have to break the combat chain in order to play your Lumina Ascensions anymore. And I was like, wait a second, you still have to break the combat chain because you have to bl- break Courage of Blade Hold, which is just a regular old action. And <laughs> <laughs> so getting go again or playing this as an instant really doesn't help you in that respect. But then I thought it more in the context of like Raiden and specifically via the Vanguard. And I think that's kind of the style of deck that they're promoting, which is smart. They probably don't want to be promoting Sabres Bolton just because honestly, if it was like a tier one deck, it probably would be pretty miserable to play against. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of that uh, uh, storm feeling from Magic the Gathering where you're just like, well, um, you know how we were playing the game? Now I'm going to take 50 game actions in a row and now you're dead. Okay, good. Okay. (laughs) And they're not even like particularly like like you're not doing like cool, interesting things. You're attacking with one sword, then the next sword, then the next sword, then the next sword, then the next yeah, sword. And you're just flipping sword. all the cards off the top of your deck, like woo, we did. <laughs> but I like that it's tutorable off of Beacon of Victory, so you can just like play a charge card, Beacon of Victory, tutor this guy. Uh, you can still also, you know, just regular old play it if that's what you want to do. You can just block with a bunch of cards in your hand and then just play it on your turn to play more of like a setup thing in like Arsenal Lumina Ascension. That's pretty cool. Uh, do I think it will push Bolton into relevancy? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? So Lumina Ascension, does it care what type of weapons they are? Does it work on any weapon? No. It, yeah, it works on anything. It works on sabers, axes, whatever. Okay. So I'm looking at like these Quicksilver daggers and I'm like, maybe you can Lumina with Quicksilver dagger. You lose Courage of Blade Hold, but you play like maybe one saber, one quicksilver dagger, and then you can, uh, you don't have to like spend nearly as many cards to give your, to give your weapons go again from soul. So your soul just gets like huge. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Could be interesting, but like it's still everything we're just, uh, talking about is already presuming the fundamental fact that Bolton will have cards in his soul. And (laughs) (laughs) there are currently nine good charge cards in my opinion. And they were the nine copies of take flight. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I guess 12 via the Vanguard's pretty good. So you're less than halfway to the amount of charge cards you need in your deck because you need about 30, somewhere in that range, like maybe a couple more, a couple less in order to see like one on hand consistently. So it needs to be about like half of your deck because obviously your deck just doesn't like do anything if you don't have one of these charge cards. And so you're, you're at 12 and then you're like, okay, well, what are my other charge card options? And there's nothing <laughs> like you're at like engulfing lights and cards like that. And it's just like, you're just being so inefficient on your charge turn cycles that it's just, yes, your payoffs are powerful, but they're not making up for how bad <laughs> the rate of your charge cards actually are. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe... You know, ever since I went to the Michael Hamilton school of kids who can't play fab good, uh, 
I've been looking all of, you know, at like the rates you're getting on cards. And it's just like, if you look like engulfing light, like it's two cards for three damage at the end of the day, like, and maybe a second card in soul. Ooh. So that's atrocious. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite bad. It's quite rough. Bolt of courage is like doing its, uh, one in soul coming for three on hit draw cards. Like you can just play red snatch and not have to charge and get one more damage. Yeah, and like you can make an argument. Well, like, well, if your opponent tries to block them, they get buffed by attack actions, and then they make them harder to block. But it's like they just the the damage just like isn't threatening. The on hits aren't threatening. So most of the time, your opponent can just like shrug and be like, "Okay, you got me for the three damage." Here's like I'm playing a room blade. Here's eighteen in return, and you're like, "Oh, well." Yeah, it's it's the same problem Reinar kind of has, where like you make your you you like disincentivize your opponents from blocking or make it. In the case of Reinar, make it impossible. In the case of Bolton, you just make it harder. But, like, who wanted to block anyway? <laughs> Not the Agridax. And yeah. Flesh and Blood's been all like... All the numbers on the left are always bigger than all the numbers on the right. So why would you ever use the numbers on the right, you know? I guess in Bolton's case, most of the time, they're about equal, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and blocking is free. You don't have to charge a card to block. <laughs> Broken. <laughs> Poor Bolton. But I think, uh, jumping back to the Legendary, I think there is some extra power there that might not be as obvious because playing Lumina Ascension as though it were an instant, anytime you play an action with go again or a card with go again as an, as an instant, then you basically net an action point the same way that spellbound creepers on non-attack actions nets you an action point in Runeblade. So over the course of the game, if you play out all three of your Lumina Ascensions, that's plus three extra action points you're getting from having played or having played or charged the spirit of Irina. So there's definitely some potential there. Yeah, but, if I told you, Michael, you get three extra action points, but you're putting golfing light in your deck, are you still happy about it? Uh, not thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. The, the issue, like, as soon as Bolton gets more, like, cards that charge and, like, or give you more effective, like, turn cycles, so, like, on average, your turn is, like, a little bit better. It doesn't have to be broken. They just need to, like, be just turned up, like one more notch than what they're currently at like like i said i think take flight is like the chef's kiss perfect charge card because it's just like you just get to get one for four go again but the go again lets you swing raiden so you're spending like three cards for eight so you're being slightly inefficient on that turn because you're spending the card to pitch putting the card in your soul or sorry three card for seven because i guess between seven and nine depending on how your opponent blocks with attack actions and stuff like that yeah, th- uh, so like you're being slightly inefficient but like it's not atrocious you know mm-hmm. i think one other thing that could help bolton if they don't want to make charge cards that are better because like i could see it being problematic if you're just having really busted charge cards something that could help too would be like ways to get more random crappy cards in your hand like i'm thinking like flame call awakening lets you get a phoenix flame from your deck if bolton had something like that that would help a lot too where you could just like get these crappy cards and just charge them away yeah, you just put bad cards in your deck. That's the upside of playing Bolton. You put bad <laughs> cards in your deck, you don't care. You just put them in your soul. Easy. Or you, you need you need ways to get the get the like draw extra cards, and then you can charge the extra cards. But like drawing extra cards, if you're drawing extra bad cards, it doesn't matter if you're charging them anyway. That's fair. But yeah, it's the only thing that's like close to that right now that is not locked to Fi. I think is belittle minnowism which i know how much you love belittle minnowism so i'm gonna just leave that leave that note there and ready to move on oh yeah if i, if I put belittle minnowisms in my deck i can just charge them all away I'm, <laughs> I'm for it yeah finally a reason to put belittle minnowism in my deck all right so 
We talked about Worlds. We talked about the new Assassin. We talked about Bolton's card. Do you want to touch on some of this Dash stuff? Dash got some pretty cool stuff today. Um, I mean, let's wait till next week to talk about Dash stuff when we do like the full set review. Okay. Just because um, I'm not smart enough to know what these cards do yet. I've read them <laughs> and I still don't know if I completely understand them, especially like the weird mech Voltron thing. I just briefly saw it, read it once and I was like, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know what's going on here. I, I'm studying for my LSAT. I can only read so much in a day, Michael. So <laughs> <laughs> I am very excited for the Voltron. It seems sweet. I would believe it. I was not a Dash believer before, but now we got some sweet stuff going on. So I'm pretty interested. Now you get to... You get to play Gundam Dash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a Gundam. Uh, you know that meme? <laughs> nope. No, in every Gundam series, this giant robot shows up and then some random background character shouts, it's a Gundam. And then like the things blow up and it's just like, yeah, of course it's a Gundam. Like you've seen them a million times before. They're giant robots. Everybody can see it. You don't have to shout it. We all get it. I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to talk about this week, then? No, I think I'm, I'm all set. Unless there's any burning inquiries on on your mind. Nope, I don't. I don't think so. I think I'm ready to wrap it up then. Okay. Well, best of luck at Worlds. I look forward to seeing a shiny new trophy on your mantle sometime soon. <laughs> you got to be real careful transporting whatever super special chocolatey awesome fudge card they give you for for winning. Fudge card? Yeah, it's a card made out of fudge. It's I, very valuable. I don't. I don't think they're giving any fudge cards out for Worlds. I could Mm. be wrong. Okay. Well, now I'm even more glad that I'm not going. No fudge. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) On that note, next time you're playing Flesh and Blood at Worlds, Michael, and everybody else, always remember, mind your manners. Thanks for listening, everybody.